Welcome to the South Canadian Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. So I wonder if any of you have any regrets in your life. As you look back in your past, in your history, if you think of things that I wish I had done differently. What if I hadn't done that? Or perhaps there was a missed opportunity. What if I had done that? And as Christians, we all can look in our past and find those things that were sinful, that were against the will of God, that we should have done or shouldn't have done. And it's easy to bring those things to our mind and to remember these things. Many times the sin in our past gets in the very way of our future as we strive to serve God. So how do we move on from our sinful past? How do we go from here when all of us have this shared experience when we're honest with ourselves? As we look at the pages of Scripture, there's a certain character that we find in the New Testament that I think we can learn a great deal from. It's the Apostle Paul. And so likely most all of us know the story of Saul who persecuted the church and later became an apostle, later became a preacher of the gospel, later became one who would pen through the Holy Spirit most of what we read in the New Testament. And we're actually going to look at mainly the words of Paul as we consider this particular topic this morning. But I just want to immediately, if you're not familiar with his story, go to the scriptural record. Some of these are literally the Apostle Paul's words that he either told people or that he wrote down or that were written about him as we think about his past, his sin. He was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. The chief of sinners is what he called himself. Persecuting the church, breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord so that whether men or women he might bring them bound. Have you heard how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem? He who destroyed those who called on this name. That name was Jesus. He persecuted this way, Christians, to the death. The disciples in Jerusalem were all afraid of him. We could go on and on talking about the Apostle Paul and his past, but I just want to make sure that we all start on a foundation of a man with a sinful, dreadful, horrific past. How did he transform? How did he move on from that to be the servant of the Lord? Well, I want to use this next passage that we read from this morning in Philippians chapter 3 is the, the basis for how we think about this topic today. In Philippians chapter 3, picking up there in verse 13, remember the inspired words of the Apostle Paul. This one we just talked about. Once Saul, once a persecutor of the church who killed Christians, the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says this, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. 
And this is what we want to think about this morning. These three things, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, and pressing toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Number one, if you're going to move from your sinful past and move on as a Christian, one of the first things that you have to do is you have to forget those things which are behind. Your failure, you need to neglect. This word, forget, that we find here in New Testament Scripture in Philippians chapter 3 is not the kind of forget you're thinking, okay? So most of the time when we say forget, we're like, okay, we put it out of our minds like it's gone, it vanishes, it goes away, never to return. That's not what this word means that's translated in the English forget. This word here means to lose out of mind, to neglect, to be forgetful of. So what we're taught here in this passage is we're to neglect or to abandon our sinful past, these things which are behind us. Okay, so think about it in these terms. If I told you down the street is an old abandoned house, okay, that brings a picture in your mind, an old abandoned house, and you're familiar with this house, maybe you once lived in this house. But it's now abandoned. Sometimes we look at a house like that, it's starting to fall down, no one lives in it. We say, that's a neglected house. Right? Someone has moved on from it. They no longer dwell there. They abandoned it and they went a different direction. They've neglected it and it starts to fall down and it goes away and because they've moved on. That's this word, forgetting those things which are behind. We neglect them. We abandon them. We put them out of our mind because we don't care for them anymore. Just like the abandoned house is no longer cared for, I no longer care for those things that once gripped my life. That sin. That past. So this isn't lose out of your mind completely, not that kind of forget. Because I want to ask you this question. Did Paul forget? Did Paul completely banish from his thoughts forever that he once persecuted the church? Pretending like those things never existed? Well, of course not. As a matter of fact, if we go back in Philippians chapter 3, where we read from, if we go up in that passage, we read this, where he says, Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Wait, Paul, you said to forget those things. And in the same place where you say to forget them, you mentioned that it happened. It's not that kind of forget, but it's a neglecting of it. I don't care for those things anymore. Paul no longer cared for the things of persecuting the church because he was a different mission to grow the church, to help the church, to be a blessing to the church. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul as we continue to think about his past and what he says that we have written down in New Testament Scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 1, picking up in, up in verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, 
But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Here's a pattern for us, brothers and sisters. Here's someone with a dreadful, horrible, sinful past that says, I want to move on from it. But he didn't forget that those things happened. He remembers them. I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. This insolent word means once he had a rude, arrogant disrespect. Now he has mercy. Of course, his past didn't vanish out of his head. He talked about it. He, he said, arguably, I'm the worst sinner there ever was. And I am set as a pattern to show an example of long-suffering. The reason you can't pretend bad things from your past never existed is because you have to retain a proper view of yourself. I'm a sinner in need of saving. But, however, you need to come to terms with your past and take responsibility for your past sin. So you can start to come to terms with God's forgiveness. So this is not some kind of psychosis, right? That I just go around and I tell everyone about every single detail of my past. Everyone who wants to hear, I'm going to make sure you know all those details because I didn't forget them. I know I'm supposed to neglect them, but I want to make sure you know that's not what this is talking about. That we confess those things. We name it and we claim it. Those things happened. That's where I was, but that's not who I am. Because I forget those things which are behind. I neglect them. I've abandoned them. And I've moved on in a different direction. We have to acknowledge our sin, but we cannot live there. The fact is, you can't move on to the future God has in store for you if you're cemented in your past. The shame and the guilt and the pain associated with sin are important reminders of the effects and the consequence of disobedience and rebellion. But some of our brothers and sisters, often the world, will get stuck in that pit of sin and shame and guilt. And the scripture paints a picture of what this place is. One of the few passages that I want to use that aren't the words of the Apostle Paul, but the prophet Jonah. You might recall that he's literally in the belly of a big fish when he prays this prayer. And in that prayer, he says in Jonah 2, 5 and 6, the waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains, the earth which, with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. 
I don't know if you've ever been in this place. But do not live here. Because God has pulled you out of that place. Left to our sin, stuck in that way of living, shackled by that kind of shame and guilt, there is no hope there. The pit is the grave. It's destruction. It's corruption. It is hell. We cannot stay stuck in that muddy pit. Instead, we do away with that old life. We neglect it. We don't care for it any longer. We don't live there. We must put our past, our sin to death. And praise God that through Jesus Christ, this happens for the one who follows Jesus and makes him their Lord and Savior. Romans chapter 6. Remember, we're reading the words of the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit. In verses 4 and 6, the Apostle Paul writes, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, with Christ, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. So now this helps gives us context to why the Apostle Paul could write, I forget those things which are behind, because that old man was dead, crucified with Christ in baptism. We were buried with him in baptism. That body of sin was done away with. I'm no longer a slave of those things. I've moved on. We need to throw dirt on that pit and leave it behind. Dead, buried. More from the Apostle Paul. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The old man is crucified. Bury it. Put it behind you and reach forward. That's the next thing we see in this passage in Philippians chapter 3. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. So what's ahead? What's next? This word reach means to stretch forward, to reach forth. In, in my way of thinking, this is about focus. It's a redirection, right? I was back here. I've let go of those things, and now I'm going a different direction. I'm reaching some other place. But where do I reach? To whom do I reach? Is that myself that I reach toward? Where do I reach? Lots of people talk about how you have to forgive yourself. So I want to be very fair. I think I know what most people are saying when they use that terminology, forgiving myself. But I want to make sure that you understand that I personally have a lot of concerns about that concept. I worry it focuses on self. I, I want to give you an example of it. And I don't in any way mean to make light of something that I read. But I just want you to think about what this says, this worldly perspective as it relates to what God, what does God want us to think about forgiving ourselves? On a website called aimhappy.com, this is what it said. I am willing to forgive myself. My forgiveness is incomplete if it does not include myself. 
Today, I send love and compassion in my direction. I release the word should and could. I see mistakes as they are, lessons. I am learning and I am growing. Regret has no place in this day. I am willing to be at peace in my own skin. I am willing to believe in my own worth. I believe in myself. I set my past free and I choose freedom in this moment. Be careful, brothers and sisters. I would point to some things that are said in that statement, and I would say a hearty amen. And I would point to other things in that statement. I'd say run away as far from that as you could possibly get. Because if you and I believe that the source of forgiveness is me, we're destined for hell. It doesn't come from you or me. The prophet Daniel, one other passage I'd like to look outside of the words of the Apostle Paul, in Daniel chapter 9, verse 9, this seems very succinct and very direct and to the point. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against Him. The world is going to tell you, you are enough. And I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, no, you are not. Please understand what I mean by that. No, you are not. Because what you need to do is not forgive yourself. What you need to do is claim the forgiveness God offers through His Son, Jesus Christ. And when you claim that, you have that. That is yours. Because He gave it to you. It isn't of yourself. The source is God. One time my kids... And our family, we went on a trip and we went to a place where there was a, a full kitchen where we were staying. And one morning, they were little, and one morning early, one of them went into the kitchen in this place where we were staying to get a drink of water. And they came back with an empty glass and they said, how do we get water? Didn't really understand the nature of this question. What do you mean? How do you get a drink of water? This isn't really something new. Um, and so went into the kitchen, and they were looking at the fridge, and it didn't have a place for you to stick your glass in, so the water would pour out of the side of the fridge into your glass. And so they said, how do I get water, Dad? It's a very simple question. Well, the way I grew up, the way you got water, maybe you did differently where you grew up, and the time in life that you grew up, but when I grew up, what I went down was to the sink and to the faucet, right? And I turned the faucet on. That's how I got water. And I knew the source of the water, if I wanted to get a drink, was the faucet in the sink, in the kitchen. And so that's where I went, because it was the source of the place to get a drink. My kids think it's in the side of the refrigerator. That's the source of where you go to get a drink of water. But we understand that idea of the source, right? It's a need and supply issue. If I need a drink, I go to the source. If you need forgiveness, go to the cross. Go to the Father. Go to Christ. That is the source. I am not. You are not. If I ever feel that I'm good enough on my own, then by extension, I'm saying I don't need grace. Maybe we never say that, but if we don't see our need, if we don't see our deficit, we're going to miss out on grace. So we reach to God, we reach to grace, we reach to Jesus. Again, the words, the words of the Apostle Paul, 
In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Grace is a gift from God. It is not something that you or I did. And I want to also be very clear about this gift. This gift, if you'll allow me to say it this way, it's not a handout from Jesus, from God. But rather, this is a hand up. This is pulling us up out of that pit, lifting us up. And so what we do is we reach out of the pit and toward the cross where God's forgiveness is found. And this is what God and Jesus and his spirit do for us. They remake us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. The old man was dead. The old man is dead, is crucified. We talked about that. And now you are new. You are recreated when you reach to God, when you reach out to Jesus, when you're created over again. You have a new lease on life. I'm not who I once was. Are you? Change is difficult, though, and it can be frightening. It can be scary. Some days are easy, and some days we might question it all, but faith is the key. We have to have faith in this new creation, in this new mission, this new purpose, this new direction where we neglect those things, and we reach to the cross, and we go a different way. You have to believe in God's grace. You have to believe and have confidence in the blood of Christ to make you clean and whole. You have to believe in His forgiveness. You have to have faith in the salvation He offers through His Son. It takes complete faith. By grace you have been saved through faith. Think about the transformation of the Apostle Paul, this new man he became. Once a persecutor of the church, Acts chapter 9, verse 18, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately, he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroys those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. What a testimony. That he believed that those things were behind and he had been given this new lease on life, a new spirit, a new man, a new creation. And what did he do? Immediately he went and preached that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God. 
But we can't ever rest on this newfound righteousness that we've been granted, this forgiveness that we've been given, this grace that is ours through God once we're made new, once we're created again. Continuous change is required. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You see, each and every one of us, once we're made new, we are constantly transformed. God is doing this work on us if we allow it. I'd submit that today, if you think right now you have it spiritually, then you most certainly do not. Let God keep changing you. Let Him do that work. And press. And press. This word, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This word press means literally to persecute. That's odd. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around it. But it means to follow after. It means to pursue. It's a very strong action verb. I persecuted. I pressed. I I put all my energy and enthusiasm into this. That I'm going this new direction. Because I forgot those things were, which were behind and I've neglected them, that past. I've forgotten that failure. I've been made new. I've been granted forgiveness. And now I'm on a different trajectory. And so I go all out in that direction. Forgetting, now reaching and pressing. A new focus. I'm not what I used to be. I'm not who I was. I once was a sinner, but now I'm saved and I'm set on a new course. And this is what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 8. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Do you hear what the Apostle Paul says? If you think about where he came from, who he once was, and now he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And I will not let that be useless. I will not let that be without effect it will not be in vain i'm going to go to work i've got ground to make up because yes i don't forget that there were some things there but i've neglected them and i've gone a new direction and because of that i'm going to go in this way and i'm going to press by the grace of god i go to work I'm motivated. I'm empowered by God's grace. I have a story to tell. That's what we heard in Acts chapter 9, verse 20. We just read it. Immediately, he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. 
You see, Paul could have cowered in a corner. Paul could have tucked his tail and gone back home. But instead, he went on a mission. He had a purpose and a goal in mind so that the grace of God would not be in vain. Why would Paul think that he could be sent by God to do anything? What made him think that he could be used to serve a holy and mighty and righteous and awesome God? He knew he was unworthy. He knew those things that were in his past. He fessed up to who he was. I have to think that Paul had haunting memories from his past. And you may as well. Things that trigger you. Things that hurt as you reflect on them. I think of the Apostle Paul. And I have to think there are times at which he heard the screams of the children as he drugged Christian women from their homes to be thrown in prison because they named the name of Jesus Christ. I have to think that he vividly remembered holding the coats of those who were throwing the stones to kill Stephen, wanted to make sure that the coats didn't get in a way of them being able to throw the stones in such a way that it would beat the very life out of the one who named the name of Christ. Don't tell me that Paul didn't have haunting memories of those things. I have to think that he did. And you may as well. And I do as well. But let's remember that house. Remember the abandoned house? Sometimes you drive... back down that street... And you see it, and it triggers something. But you've made a commitment that you will not care for that anymore. And so you will neglect that, and you'll keep on driving because you've chosen a different path. You've gone a different way. You have a different purpose. In those moments, you have to shake it off, and you have to refocus. I think Paul had to do this same thing. Paul acknowledges that grace was what saved him, what changed him, and it motivated him to serve, to labor in the kingdom for the church. Paul wouldn't let God's grace be for nothing. What I am and what I have is because of God's grace, not because I'm good, not because of any merit of my own. Grace is found in the blood of Christ that washes away your sins. But grace is also found each and every day as we try to walk in the way that God wants us to go. There is grace that is sufficient for all of that. Not just to save us from our sins, but to help us each and every day until our death, until we go to be home with Christ and with the Father forever. You can't be truly motivated by grace. You can't truly press if you've never really, truly felt like you needed grace in the first place. So I want to challenge my brothers and sisters who've lived excellent, moral, upstanding, righteous lives. Praise God for that. But don't forget yesterday when you got crossways and you spoke unlovingly and unkindly to a member of your family. 
or when you had a lustful thought or when you told something that wasn't quite the truth. All of us have sinned. All of us are in need of grace. All of us have a past that we have to move on from. No matter how terrible or not so bad it was, one sin is what separates us from God's righteousness and holiness. And so we remember, as we've read before, the words of the Apostle Paul, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. This pressing, though, what did Paul go on to do? I think this helps us get this context of what am I supposed to do to move on from my past? For we are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's where you press. That's where you go. That's what you do. Remember 1 Timothy chapter 1, 12 and 13, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Wait, what? Putting someone who killed Christians into the ministry to talk about the church and to talk about Christ and to encourage those who name the name of Jesus? Yes, no matter your past, this is what God can do. Putting you into the ministry. Although Paul was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, Someone who had a rude, arrogant disrespect for the things that God wanted. Grace is a gift. It is not earned by work. Yet, you were given grace and saved for a purpose. You were changed for a reason. So you must allow God's grace to do its work in your life. Grace frees us up to try and fail and to try again. Grace grants each of us gifts that we can use in the service of our Lord. So, share your story of salvation. Share the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Deepen your relationship with God through prayer and study. Serve the people around you with all of your heart. Forgive easily. Love fervently. Go to work. Press so that God's grace is not in vain. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I relate to Paul. I have a past of sin and deep regret. It has not been splashed over the pages of the New Testament. But brothers and sisters in Christ, I was a sinner destined for hell who has found grace in the Lord Jesus Christ and has been saved for all eternity by the blood of Christ and whom I have confidence and assurance that because when God calls me just, I am just. When God calls you righteous, you are righteous. 
and I press so that the grace of God that was given to me as a gift is not in vain. By the grace of God, I stand here and share this message with you. As part of this church, as part of the body of Christ, we have this support community of people who love and show mercy and grace because all of us relate to brokenness. But, praise God, we all can relate to healing. To healing. We have found this healing together in Christ Jesus and in the cross. And we support each other in this new direction that we're pressing for. This place that we're heading. This mission that we're on. So you've been forgiven. If you've had your sins washed away by the blood of Christ in baptism, where you contacted the blood of Jesus to have to be made whole, you've been forgiven. You've been granted grace by God, a gift. You can move on from your past. Neglect it and leave it behind you. You can reach out to Jesus and press toward this heavenly goal. And I want to encourage you to do this. Satan would like nothing better than for you to stay forever mired in that pit of shame and guilt and destruction and despair and depression. That's where he wants you stuck forever for all eternity. Christ wants something better for you. And he paid the ultimate price to make that possible. So what you do is you now claim that forgiveness in Christ. The gift of God. It's called grace. So grab it with both hands and hang on to it for dear life. For the rest of your days. Praise God that we have that kind of confidence and hope and assurance in Christ. And I commend that to you. That that's how you live your life and that's where you go from here. Don't stay there. Press. If you have a need in your life, if you want to come to Christ, to have your sins washed away, to be given, to be made a new creature, a new creation, to be given an opportunity to go a different direction, you could do that this morning. We have water in the baptistry. If you've been taught sufficiently and you know that it's in baptism that you're buried with Christ, that you die to your old self, that you are raised to walk in newness of life just as Christ was raised from the dead, to be put on a new trajectory, a new path. You could do that this morning. Most of you are Christians. Most of you have done those things. But maybe there's something that's holding you back. Don't let Satan have his grip on you. Rather, make sure that you're in the hands of God and that you press toward that goal. If we can help you, please come forward as we stand and as we sing. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com.